Lima, Delta, Echo. Lima, Delta, Echo. This is in between stations radio broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, USA. Good evening, and welcome to In Between Stations Radio. I have a bit of a cold left over from a nasty flu. Seems to be a lot of those going around right now. Vaccinated or not vaccinated, people are still getting sick as they have done since the beginning of time. What steps you take is up to you. But I had the flu and I got over it. Now I got bits and pieces of this cold and we'll try to work through this, this nice night. This strange night where I live on the edge edge of the desert on the edge of the vastness of the Colorado Plateau which is still largely unpopulated by human beings so far so you still get a chance to see the old stuff still get a chance to see the old relics the ancient villages and the ancient natives who are now Modern names. <laughs> no one disappeared. That old term, the Anasazi, which is a defunct Dene term that they still use sometimes, which is good, because that's an awesome tribe. But that is not the word that the ancestral Pueblo used. And the modern Pueblo people do not use that word. People lived and moved in bands. Small groups that were migrating towards what's called the middle place which is this mythical place where these bands and clans come together and form a nation and a tribe. And I guess they're not that mythical because they're very real. There's lots and lots of Pueblo natives. Lots and lots of tribes in Arizona. 21 of them. And this is a state that speaks a lot of different languages other than Spanish and English, there are indigenous language spoke. I have a friend at Hopi that speaks five. Yes, five, maybe six indigenous languages. And he can move in between all those, and he speaks Spanish as well as English, so that's seven languages he speaks. Any good European would be hard-pressed to do that. And he uh, is quite proficient in all those languages and quite respected. But that's not unusual, it's quite normal. This part of Arizona is very unusual. It still has a lot of the old ancient world intact that you can go see and visit. And that's why a close friend of mine, even though I never met him personally, Everett Roos, right around 1931, decided to leave the crazed cities of the West Coast and go out into this marvelous, beautiful place called the Colorado Plateau and to discover himself and to discover a deeper reality. This reality I talk about that's underneath the surface of all this modern stuff going on that someday won't be so modern. And it's kind of a changeless reality that goes right down to the very, very bottom layers of the Grand Canyon. Which is pretty much where our good old beautiful planet Earth started. We still have we still have our history intact and we can see these continuous layers that spread for miles and miles of ecosystems that lasted thousands of years. And there's hundreds of layers upon layers upon layers of life 
and of these marvelous ecosystems that once were so intact. The sea comes in and the sea goes out. There's places in the Grand Canyon where you can see dinosaur tracks actually go up the walls in the canyon. <clears throat> One place they go up about a thousand feet in the vertical. <clears throat> Excuse me. This cold is hanging on. How's the night going? What are you doing right now? My thing is, is get on that strange ghost road and take a trip. Get out of the city. Open your mind up to the expansive reality where you can still see the stars. Where you can still see incredible things like the Zuni Shalako, if you're invited. A mystical thing that's been going on thousands of years. Where you can still go to a Kachina dance at Hopi, if you're invited. These things have been going on thousands of years. These writings, these symbols on the cave walls, thousands and thousands of them. Chaco Canyon, these marvelous ceremonial places, these time centers. Those things are readable. Those things are known about. They're not missing. They're, they're there still intact, and people know about them, especially in these beautiful tribes and clans that retain the stories. There's still marvelous mysteries there, but there's still a lot known, too. And us outsiders that are visitors, we fall short in trying to, trying to understand something that we never really were a part of. I have a little piece of that because my ancestry is connected to Native Americans. My great-grandmother herself was several tribes. <laughs> but she passed down to me her medicine bag. She passed down to me this beautiful heart that she had that was indigenous, that was more her than anything else. And I love her, and she gave me a bit of that, that mystery, that bit of that uh, resilience to fight against mainstream cultures that come in as invaders, but that's part of my background too, part of all our backgrounds. And I think, I think we're heading towards a new America. We have the ability to transcend those old things back there, the genocides and the wars, which I so often tell you I was a part of, that we can get past these things and move towards a better future. I never grow tired of saying there's been several civilizations that lived in peace for a long period of time. That question greatly this premise that man has to always be at war and, and be full of violence. There's the propensity to do the exact opposite as well, and that's part of our beautiful history if we look at it, if we get outside of the propaganda. We move into a new world. And these tribes here in Arizona, in the Colorado Plateau, these ancestral Pueblo tribes, the Diné, um, they know about these previous worlds. They know about these places where things rose and fell, where technology got too advanced, and they had to leave the great huge cities in Mexico that were marvelous wonders of the world, perhaps the most advanced cities in the world at one time. And some of these clans left those cities to be more humble, to be able to see the earth again, things, to make things not so easy, to struggle when you plant corn and to have humility. Humility is an extremely important attribute for humans to have. Most other animals have it. Humans struggle with this great big huge brain <laughs> that we have that I'm not so sure is actually an asset. That we think too much about ourselves and look in the mirror too much. And we forget where we're from, we're busy adventuring 
to go out into space and to build colonies there and, and to see what's out there and then we forget what's in here. That there may be only one place in this entire universe like this. We don't know, we haven't discovered it. I mean, the odds are there probably there are other places, but this is all we know, this is our home. This is how we breathe, this is how we eat. This is our life, and we're connected to our others and our other brothers and sisters that aren't human. In the evolutionary record, our DNA alone tells us that we're all related to each other. That we're all brothers and sisters, not just to humans, but all of us, the trees and plants, that we're all connected to each other. We have a common ancestry, be it our beautiful creator, or be it the physical earth itself. Some things I think are beyond us. And so this place here in the Colorado Plateau gives you a chance to to see the naked earth in all her splendor from the top levels to the very bottom where everything started and go down the Grand Canyon and see that and that's where these tribes origins are is from them, where these proto-humans lived and came up out of the earth in each world each epic in history brought a resilience to these tribes to do better to be more humble to learn from a place they've lived for thousands of years where they understand the weather and understand the sequences of drought and lots of rain and and the valuable resources and plants and, and animals and learn their respect that I think we often forget about in this huge growing metropolises that never move they just sit in the same place and continually draw on these resources that are becoming more and more limited and I think that means that we need to be conscious and conserve and use things only if we need them. And that's what these tribes, that's the humility that they've learned, is to be, is to conserve things, to see things as precious and valuable. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break and we'll be back in a few minutes.
You're listening to Late Nights, on In Between Stations Radio, broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, with host David Hartley. You're listening to Late Nights, on In Between Stations Radio, broadcasting from Flagstaff, Arizona, with host David Hartley. So, you still there? <laughs> hey, Murky, what's going on? Working hard. Plugging in the tapes for the shortwave. Yeah. This broadcast tonight's on shortwave radio again, and we decided, uh, because of what Murky want to do, right? Yeah. Yeah? Pretty much. Um, she wanted to just keep... We're going to start recording our broadcast, having listeners, which they have been doing, sending us tapes of our broadcast when it's on the shortwave radio. And I and I went over what short. If you're just joining us, shortwave radio is a different medium that used to be really popular. It was kind of the first internet, and there's still some uh, there's still some of us out there on the shortwave radio. Still incredible things going on in shortwave radio, and you can pick up stations for thousands of miles clear clear across the globe. And because we're so barraged with digital and perfection and no noise and everything is done perfectly, we lose this this. Uh, this freestyle, beautiful, nebulous reality that we're surrounded by, where we don't know things. We're sometimes the static, and sometimes the uh, the other voices and the other stations wandering around in the ionosphere, in our space, in our minds, and our dreams are still floating out there in the shortwave medium. And it's a very strange and beautiful place, and so we broadcast. That's where we're broadcasting tonight, uh, on 3731... <laughs> This cold, this cold I have is affecting my brain. 3731 kilohertz in the 80 meter band. And you can get us if you have a strong radio. We don't have, depending on where we're, we're uh, pointing our signal, it's across the ocean. Uh, it seems like people pick us better up uh, around the Soviet Union and Ukraine, all the crazy stuff going on there. But people still pick us up when we get letters from them. Uh, and so uh, it, it seems harder to pick us up in the United States. I'm not sure why that is. Um, some local people have picked this up, but you can uh, you got to have pretty much an amateur, a ham radio to, to pick this signal up. We're a non-commercial station, uh, so we don't make money here. This is for, this is fun. This is creativity. This is an artistic medium, right, Murky? Yeah. Yeah, she's she's Picasso quite the artist. With with Welk. What? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Well, Picasso, you know, uh, Lawrence Welk, for some of you un- younger people, um, <laughs> how do you explain this? You brought it up, Murky. And, and Even if nobody knows any longer who Lawrence Welk was, it's true. He was kind of before your time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if, if you want to look Lawrence Welk up, <laughs> he really is a direct opposite of Picasso, I guess. And I guess it sure, sort of shows you how screwed <laughs> stations can get um, okay so um, moving on we were wondering yeah. what you are doing uh, are you driving in your car are you home with your girlfriend your boyfriend um, I hope I hope you're listening to me and what what I think you should do and I just met a beautiful friend from New York City out in the middle of nowhere in the desert we ran into each other I, we did a brief episode about that beautiful soul and uh, she was discovering this, this 
incredible country in the Colorado Plateau here. The one that Everett Roos back in 1931 started to discover with his two burrows. Can you believe that? His brother dropped him off in the middle of nowhere. Largely still roadless, but then very few roads. Then very much of And to discover this fantastic country with these huge, deep, orange and red sandstone canyons, sinuous corridors that go on for miles with ancient villages in them with big green cottonwoods and deep springs. Sometimes there's fish in there swimming around and little turtles and the wind blows through these moist corridors. It's like a tropical zone sometimes. And on the top of these canyons is the vast, dry, hot desert. And so these are like little gardens of Eden. Even though they're getting sort of overrun with people these days because of backpacker and GPS and our crazy computer world that connects to every little thing, they're still places unvisited and a chance for you to take the ghost roads. To move out of your situation and, and to discover what I call a new America, a new world where we can get away from these, these powerful states, you know, the territory the nation, these states that seem to control everything we do with their insane political leaders and their ideologies of war and power. Realities that are run by a few people that get lots of money and the rest of us work hard. A world that needs to be conservative as much as it needs to be liberal. A world that finds balance and gets away from these ideologies where we're so extreme that we hate each other because we speak a different way or we think a different way or because we're a different religion. And the, the beauty uh, when you come to a place like the Colorado Plateau that's so expansive and still so unvisited and still a place where you can, you can do a solo and get a feel for, for the mysterious universe, for things that are way beyond us, way beyond our human, way beyond our streams of thought now in this what we call a modern world and a chance to get unmodern, a chance to break down the complicated world that we're living in, the world that's run by money. I don't think you can say, hey, it's capitalism or it's not capitalism or it's America or it's Russia. I think what you can say is the world is run by a few people that want to be in control, that want to have wars for resources. And I think we can walk away from that. And that's part of my message of getting better when I was so sick when I came home from a war from the Middle East and so messed up in my head. And, and realizing that the one place that was left was the deserts. And that's where I went. And to let go and to open my mind up to the basic necessities of life. To learn how to survive and then to discover ancient people that date back 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 years that were there before you, that were marvelous survivors, that had dreams and visions that put them on the cave walls, that left behind marvelous pottery with symbols and stories on them, that farmed, that knew where to go where the water was and to follow the seasons and the animals that were humble people that were immensely religious and had a creator had a respect for our planet 
And now that we've become so machine-like, and our, our lives are run by these very regimented days where we have to, you know, one of the things I always think so strange is that people are always looking at their watches. Even when they're running, even when I'm out there hiking in the wilderness, I'll meet somebody and they have their watch on, and they're looking at their watch. That's not natural time. That's, that's time that is run by organizations, by businesses, who want to be very efficient and make more money every year, and you wear that watch, and it tells you you got to get back to the city, you got to get back to the job, you got to get back to your bills. But there was a time, especially here in the Colorado Plateau, where houses weren't owned. You built your own house, you had your own land, you had your tribe, you had your clan, you had your resources and your humility. And it was a life of simplicity that I think we should look back and and reach out and grab some of that. Um, what's the major constellations right now? I know Orion's starting to disappear, which is more of a winter constellation and sink further and further away. And we got these other marvelous constellations coming up that you can see at night that denote the changing of the seasons. And, and those are beautiful. You get to see those out in the desert and set underneath the, the stars and, and, and you can feel the wind blowing and see these distant thunderstorms over the over the plateaus and I like to get in that my old truck it's always dusty <laughs> and I got my ghost healer the crazy dingo gunner and he sits up there in the front with me and watches out the window he watches everything this is a brilliant animal and then my little red healer now Michka and she's a shy beautiful soul that always is behind us a little bit when we're walking and through these primitive wild landscapes. She's, she's beautiful. We sit down and we get underneath the juniper tree at night and look at the stars and, and see the shadow of the ancient village behind us. The ground's littered with shards of pottery. You don't have to touch or pick them up. You can just look at them and see the, the marvelous things, the stories there. And the symbols that are still to this day on the, on the beautiful beings like the Kachinas and and the, these Pueblo dancers, and when you get to Dene, uh, and, and the things that are weaved in the rugs, and then these great medicine ceremonies, these things are still intact, they're still being used, and it might be a chance for us to, to grab onto something else that doesn't always say modern, that isn't always pushing towards time and towards a watch. Been to several ceremonies where no one's wearing a watch, and if they are, they don't even look at them. We can set your phone down and, and turn it off, and you can turn your email off, and you can walk into the stars and walk into the canyons. And that's what old Gunner, my wild ghost dingo, and little Nietzsche do is we, we go on these adventures. And, and you know, most of them are walked. We don't, we don't drive that much. We drive enough to get there, and then we park and walk the car, get our backpack on, and our back. I guess it, yeah, it's mostly. I put everything in the backpack and then we head out to these places and, and relearn life. You know, after being so messed up in a war, I like to say fucked up, I don't think people like that word, but I learned quite quickly if I didn't simplify my life, if I didn't get back to basics that I wasn't going to survive. And that's what the desert gave me. Alright, we're gonna we're gonna go to uh, a song and, and be back. Thank you. 
And, this, and still it's a mysterious place. Still it's haunted by these places that used to be big cities, you know, especially along the old railroad that ran in uh, uh, northern Utah, the Promontory Railroad, because Promontory's there. I grew up by not far from Promontory, Utah, where the where the two trains met. The two rail systems came together, and the United States finally had one continuous path of, of railroad. And these little towns sprung up along this... The railroad's not even there, there anymore. It's been taken up, and it's... And, it's, and it runs, uh, a big freight line runs out on the West Desert quite a ways away from the original railroad in most places. And, uh, but in the day, you know, 1869, right around there, these little towns all sprung up. I grew up in one of those little ghost towns called Corinne, Utah. It's about 600 people there then, and there still is, maybe less. Still a wonderful ghost town on the edge of the West Desert on the edge of these vast uh, migratory bird, uh, very aquatic riparian areas that span for miles. There's all these marvelous birds that come in from all over the world. And then this beautiful Great Salt Lake sets there. And um, I grew up in this little town that's just sitting on the edge of all that. And it's just, it's totally haunted. That's where I learned to, to love shortwave radio. Because I made my own shortwave radio, made my own antenna, and I set, and I could just pull in the entire world because the desert has this clear atmosphere. It's voided of modern technology still to this day. Um, it's very hard to pick up things on a shortwave radio now in these big uh, metropolises and cities because there's so much static and there's so much interference uh, in in the atmosphere. It's hard to reach up into the ionosphere and pick up that medium, but it's still there. It's still up there, and so um, you can still turn on your you can still turn off your digital radio and turn on your old AM radio. There is so much beautiful, uh, interesting things there. You can uh, you can pick up Mexico, which I love to do. If you don't speak Spanish, I do a little bit, and you can understand the incredible stories and the and the reverb, the echoing, and and, and you can. I, I've even picked up stuff in Central America and even sometimes South America. So there, it's it's beautiful. The South is is marvelous. And I don't understand the wall, but I understand getting beyond it and moving southward. And that's always been the great Aslan, the sacred land, the land where, where people were connected to the earth. And that still retains itself here in the southwest and on the, in, the, in the Colorado Plateau. And um, the old south, magical southwest is still here. You have to look a little harder. Sometimes you have to get outside of the towns. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to to go to a tribal nation to set with them, not as a tourist, but as part of the family and to work with them and to listen to these wise things they have to tell you. These amazing stories that even have UFOs and flying saucers in them. Intergalactic travelers that came from other places and worlds to this one. That's what some of my good friends believe long, long ago and brought the seeds and the plants and the things to make this world blossom, this beautiful planet we live on. I don't know how true that is. It sure seems like it could be true. What I know is this marvelous, marvel, marvelous old planet we live on. And old's all right with me. It's wonderful. I mean, it's just, I love ancient. And sometimes we get too stuck in our time period. And I think places like where these ghost roads that you can travel on unstick you 
And you gotta be gone for a while, not for 15 minutes, not for an hour, but for days and days sometimes. And then see the, the great cities glowing on the horizon. Sometimes you can even hear them and realize that you don't have to be a part of that. And if you are a part of that, you can break away from it and find another kind of life. And we can start a new way of doing things. There's, it's not impossible to go back, at least a little bit. I, I think we can keep technology if we need to. I mean, medicines and things to help us. and um, Some of those things are good, but there's too much of it. And we don't have the ability to even run a mile. To even live out in a place away from the city for more than an hour. To be away from our car for more than a half hour. Or our big huge... I mean, what's with these big huge campers? You know, it's just massive with a trailer behind them. You pull, it's like you're pulling the city with you out into these wilderness areas. But the potentiality of just surviving on your own, having a little tent, or not even that. And having enough food, and, and, and knowing the plants like the ancient people did, what you can eat, what you can use as medicines, all that knowledge is still there intact. So it's nice to, to, to realize that it's possible to go back. No, I, I don't think, I'm not saying living in ancient times, but I'm saying take some of those, that beautiful knowledge back there about plants and about the stars and about having your own self-resilience where you can run not a mile but 20 miles with a backpack on where you can look down at the ground and know I can eat this and I can use this if I have an infection or a wound and 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 you can see that you can survive with little you can be conservative with what you have back home and you can gain this humility that connects you to the creator that connects you to this marvelous planet earth she's so so beautiful and so full of wisdom and and we should be appreciative of, of her and of all these creations appreciative of the creator of things we don't fully understand that are out there that gave us our our breath and our life and to use this this time that we have in a very sacred way because we don't know if it'll come back again to immerse yourself as i say into the dream because it doesn't matter if it's a dream or not, does it? Because, as I said, my rule is it, the rules that apply to that reality that you're in, that culture you're in, that tribe you're in, that country you're in, there's different sets of rules, there's different ways of thinking. And so, I see it as all important. You have a responsibility with your body, with the things you eat. You have a responsibility with your heart to love and, and to grow and and to use your heart to, to expand out to others, to renounce violence as much as you can. It doesn't mean not to defend yourself. It doesn't mean just to be a pacifist, but to see there's a time for all things and a season for all things and to find balance in that. The great mystic uh, Jacob Bohm, the German mystic from the 1620s, had all these visions and wrote scriptures and lived during this incredibly violent time of the 30, 30 years of war, un, unrelent, unrelenting war in Europe. And Jacob Ohm had this vision of the Creator, this, and seeing that the, the opposites produce life, this, 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 this conflict between extremes of dark and light, bring about this ex beautiful experience called life. And that the peace is in, the peace of mind and heart and body is finding balance between those extremes. And I think that that's still possible on these ghost roads that lead out of the cities. 
these deserts that make you that bring humility to you we don't need to cover them with houses and highways and hot dog stands and t-shirt stands and big circus wheel you know ferris wheels and and that we don't need that you it's the basic essentials of life that bring you the humility that teach you that you you have bones and muscles and you have a mind that needs to be connected to something other than machines and digital environments that aren't real so well we're <laughs> that's a lot said isn't it Everett Roos, 1931, disappeared in 1934 in a place called Davis Gulch. Incredibly beautiful place. I went there when hardly anybody ever visited the place. Found those last car words he left, Nemo. Nemo was a very interesting word connected to a very interesting story and mythology that you should look up sometime. I believe Everett disappeared into the passageways of a of a more beautiful place and time that he found the passage and he left this crazy insane modern world and he descended into something beautiful and something not quite understandable to us most of the time you can call it heaven or you can just call it something <laughs> different than the modern reality we're living in now that leaves us little time for sanity uh, and, and break away and so blessings to Nemo to Everett Roos, who had the ability to break away and do something different. Each of us, I think, have that responsibility to migrate, to, to, to move through these corridors that teach us things, and to see that we can start in a different way, that there's an ability to have a peaceful world, and, to, and it starts with us as individuals, and I think it starts with breaking away, usually with a severe experience, like a war, or a great tragedy it takes to wake us up. So what do we have? We have some good things and we have some things that aren't so good. Let's build on that and let's look back at the ancients and say thank you to them. And say, um, learn what they had, learn what they still have. Their still, teachings are still being used today in some of these tribes, still being practiced all these thousands of years later. Uh, these deep cultural knowledge bases that exist in these tribes have been in one place for thousands of years. What can you learn if you've been in one place for thousands of years? Us as Americans, we don't understand that. Because we haven't been here maybe 250 years at the most. We haven't seen these tremendous ancient cycles as they move and grow and then fall away and become something else. These tribes have. They've, they've seen these cycles and they're there's a great deal to be learned from our histories, not only of the, of, the, of the human history, but of the animal history and the plant history, and how we all need each other. And there's this harmonious place, the middle place, the, the place of balance that we can work towards. All right, so I'm going to disappear into the, <laughs> the airwaves here. Thank you, Murky, for helping me out, for helping us out. And I'm going to... I love you, Dave. Hey, thank you, Murky. I love you, too. Buddy Gunner's here, and my little red healer, Michka's here. And we're going to, all of us are going to get in our little truck, and we're going to take a ghost road out of here. So I hope you pick me up on a radio or a podcast. Uh, but remember, we're in that nebulous ghost place in the ionosphere floating around. And I'm there, and that's probably where I'll always be. <laughs> 
the ghost roads in the Colorado Plateau. Love to you. See you later. Bye. Good night, everybody. This is In Between Stations Radio on 3731 kilohertz, the 80 meter band, signing off the air. Good night. <laughs>